Welcome to Quill and Ink, a podcast for book lovers, hosted by Jenna Green and Miranda O. Oh. They will be speaking to authors of many different genres to explore themes around writing and storytelling. Join them for engaging and intellectually stimulating conversation with artists from all corners of the world. Hi, welcome to Quill and Ink. My name is Jenna Green, a YA fantasy author, author of the Imagine series and the dystopian thriller Reborn. With me is Miranda O, oh, uh, a chick lit author, author of the Chin Up, Tits Out series. And she has the honor and privilege of introducing our guest for today. Hi, Miranda. Hello, hello. So as you guys can see, we have two guests because we got, well, I mean, two very important people on the call with us today. So we have Iris and Roy Johansson. Now, mother-son duo, but let me give each of them a proper introduction because they do deserve it. So Iris is a number one New York Times bestselling author with over 30 novels. Before we went live, we just heard that she wrote another three. When we're here to talk to her launching or, or these two launching their newest book. She just wrote three more novels. So she is a novel pumping out machine. Now her series featuring forensic sculptor Eve Duncan has sold over 20 million copies and was the subject of the acclaimed lifetime movie, the killing game. So we want to talk about books turning into movies. Bam. Iris is a product of that. And now Mr. Roy, he is an Edgar award winning author and his mysteries include deadly visions and beyond belief together. This mother and son team have nearly written a dozen books. Mind boggling that that team is just continuing to pump out books. And we're really excited to get into it. But here today, we're going to be talking about their latest release titled Blink of an Eye. Welcome, you two. Thank you so much for being with us today. Well, first of all, it's nice to see the book. Mom, have you gotten your copies of Blink of an Eye yet? Yeah, I've got mine. I just got them. Uh, Haven't you got yours yet? No, but I guess I had to take longer to get here across the country. So it looks very nice. Jenna, would you mind turning it around so I can see the back? Can I have a copy before they do? Yes, you do. Oh, oh, nice quotes. Nice. Okay. Nice. Very nice quotes. I've that's never happened before. <laughs> But that's part of that. I think that's almost the almost the best part of writing a book is when you actually get to hold that book in your hand, and you're Absolutely. like, "Man, I can feel it. I can bend it. I can flip through the pages and and smell it." I don't know if anybody else does that, but I do. It's just I don't know what it is when you when absolutely you get to that part, right? It's and so I document exciting. it. I document it. I put it up on Twitter. The opening of the box, and yeah, totally. Oh, nice yeah. unboxing videos. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> An unboxing video just for myself around my book. I remember the first time I held my first ever book. I think I cried. Like I just, and my roommates were looking at me at the time and they're like, um, are you okay? I'm like, just let me bask in this moment. Like, have you ever done this? And they're like, no. <laughs> so, <laughs> it, you know, it was just such a cool thing to experience that you actually held something like that, that you created um, in your own hands. And, and that unboxing, that unraveling was. And placing it absolutely. on the shelf is very symbolic. Yes. Right? Yes. Yeah, look at, look at all those books behind mom on her uh, shelf back there. She's got just a few of hers there. I, I think most of the, I think for this, she put up, you put up our collaborations, right? Is that what's yeah. back there? Nice. Nice. Now, 
today or, or well almost for you Roy is it still the same feeling after dozens of dozens of books to hold it in your hand for the first time yes and something I feel cheated of right now is I love going to a bookstore and seeing it on wow. the, on the shelves mm -hmm. and right now we're staying away from bookstores and mm -hmm. and, uh, and and everything, everything else. so <laughs> yes, exactly. So I'm I, I'm 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 missing out on that, but yeah, oh yeah, opening the box is still a, a huge thrill for me. Oh yeah, even after all these years. Oh, that's fantastic to hear. I miss going to bookstores as well. I remember like typing in my name or the the title of my book, and then on all the computers in the store, and then just leaving them open. <laughs> <laughs> so the next person may or may not find it. But oh uh, yeah. Anyways, um, shameless self promotion in bookstores. But you know, going to the bookstore and seeing it on the shelf is definitely like makes your heart skip a beat. So uh, yeah. you're you're obviously a mother and son duo, which is a, a a perfect pair to write books because I think your perspectives are going to be so different when it comes to telling stories. So what's it like writing as a team together? Sometimes difficult, but always <laughs> fun. <laughs> it's uh yeah. I mean, lots of very often. You know, it, 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 hesitated. <laughs> <laughs> It can be a negotiation. I mean, it's obviously because when you're writing something yourself, you're very often you're you're having to negotiate with yourself. Right. Uh, uh, but so not only have to do that, but when you're writing with someone else, you actually have to take their feelings into account, and you have to, you know, sometimes you have to fight for the ideas that you believe in, and mm -hmm. and and then maybe sometimes realize that the ideas, your ideas are not the best, which is a terrible thing for any writer to think. Oh, uh, what a horror that would be. <laughs> <laughs> of course, neither of us have that problem. <laughs> no, no. But, uh, but actually, but it actually was surprisingly easy. I mean, even from the start. Nice. As far as our, our writing goes, so actually, we knew from our very first book that that we we could do this. That this nice. is, this is not going to be a problem. So the team just kind of naturally vibed together and has grown and evolved to just now you're you, you've kind of like a well oiled machine after after a dozen books together. As as much as any writing uh, project yeah. can be that because it's yeah. never is it, never easy, uh, but uh, yeah, we each had been writing solo. Uh, for 20 years before we wrote our first book together. Okay. Uh, I started off as a screenwriter and my first 10 years, I was exclusively a screenwriter before I started writing novels. And I wrote another decade. Uh, and then uh, mom had been writing for about 25 years uh, by the time we wrote our first book. So we each had our own systems in place pretty well for decades. Uh, so it really shook things up and in a good way right. to, uh, to, to, you know, to look at a new way of telling stories. And, and it was, it was actually kind of exciting. Nice. I like that. So how do you guys divide it up? Does it change every book? Do you guys write one chapter for one chapter or divide up your scenes? How do you split up the tasks? Well, one of us, if one of us has an idea for the book, uh, they start out and then we go, uh, they, they, that person gets to write, say, like the first three chapters, Ooh. and and then we turn it over to the other one, and and we say, okay, see what you can come up with, and it better be good. <laughs> <laughs> 
<laughs> so you you basically, if you come up with an idea and both of you agree to that book idea, then you you being kind of the front runner have this opportunity to set the scene a little bit and then you kind of just go from there and then juggle it back and forth. Am I understanding that correctly? That's pretty well. Nice. That's pretty much the way it works. Nice. So it's not it's not structured like chapter one, three, and five is you, uh, Iris, or or vice versa, right? It's just kind of like I had this idea. Do you like it? Yes, I do. And now let's let me roll with it, and you take it where it wants to go. It's like it reminds me of those games where we used to play as a kid, where you would whisper a, like a, a sentence in somebody's ear and then they would turn to the next. That's what, okay, you're a teacher. So you know, right. And then it goes all the way around the circle and then you see what message comes out at the end of the circle and it's not even close to the first one, but together you seem to make it better at the end of the day. So what are some of the challenges of writing or, or that you come across being family members. So what are, you know, what are some of the biggest challenges you've faced over the last few books of writing together? Well, one thing is we're at opposite ends of the country. Uh, Roy is in LA and I'm either in Atlanta or Florida. So we very rarely get together while we're writing the book. Do you find it beneficial when you're together writing the book? I find when I write, it's very solitary. Like nobody can talk to me. I just got to tune out. But if you're, I've never written with a teammate before. So would it be beneficial to have that person sitting next to you and kind of playing out the scenes to, to see where they go? Sure it would. But, you know, that, that can't be in our particular situation. So we do get together sometimes uh, towards the end of the book. Mm. And sometimes not, sometimes uh, but, but we're all the time. We're on the phone together. Uh, we're sending uh, chapters back and forth uh, constantly. Uh, and uh, it works out. It works out. Nice. Sometimes when we're together. <laughs> it works because there's internet and phones. Could you imagine doing this by mailing pages? <laughs> it's so much easier than it would have been so much. back in those days. Oh, right. Yeah, totally. Because sometimes, very often, we'll, we sometimes we'll finish a book. Even when we're together, we're in the same uh, city. Where I, we will, uh, I remember once it was around Christmas time, we were finishing a book. And we would uh, get up and we'd talk about it pretty much over breakfast, what we each were going to write. But we'd still each go to different rooms right. and write our stuff. And then at the end of the day, come back and with what we had and see how it fit together, which is not too much unlike it is when we're on different coasts as right. we're finishing a book. Right. Nice. And do you find that I'm sure, I'm sure you do, but some of the benefits of writing together is the fact that you, you share genetics, that there's, there's some sort of unspoken consciousness and understanding between you two. So when you do write something, there's, there's always that understanding or that, that agreeance in it. So what are some other benefits or is that even a benefit that you guys actually do find when, when writing together? I will say sometimes we, I think the books that we write together are different than each what we write on our own. It, it's really uh, 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 maybe a third voice. Uh, 
and in some ways we we uh, meet each other and do things that, uh, that neither of us would do in our individual books. Right. So this third voice would. And uh, so it, and it's very similar to what each of us write on our own. But still, it's it's different enough that it's it's yeah, it's a different experience. Interesting. I would have never thought to pick that up either. Um, but the fact that you get to not only be yourself as an individual, as a creator and an author, but then you get to share that experience with somebody that's very close with you and create a completely different voice in the book and or, or within your creations. Like that's a, that's a pretty cool experience to have yourself, but not only share with your mom or share with your kid. Like that's, that's a pretty cool. I, that's what I'm going to strive to do in the future with my future kids. I'm going to be like, this is what's going to happen. We're going to be our author partners and they're going to be like, what? No. <laughs> <laughs> but I, I love it. It's just, you know, my way back in the day, my mom and I used to own a business together and we go back to like that well-oiled machine thing that I said was we would kind of work without even speaking to one another and it would just jive really nicely and people were like how do you work with your mom and how do you like it so much and both of us were like man i don't think we would want it any way any other way we couldn't do what we're doing without one another and you two seem to have that 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 idea down that it wouldn't you wouldn't have that second or third that third voice with each other that if it wasn't for this team pairing and and that's pretty cool to to experience that in your life and to be successful with it as well um now i do want to jump a little bit off track of you know mother son partnership and i want to talk about one of your characters like total off left tangent um this kendra you have a pretty unique backstory to care to that character she was blind for the first 20 years of her life and so being two different entities on two different coasts tell us a little bit more about how this character was developed and how you two went about developing her as, as a couple, as a pair. Well, Kendra, we thought we made a conscious decision that we wanted to create a new character who is in the classic vein of the detective who could walk into a room and perceive things that no, nobody else could, who is, mm -hmm. you know, could could make deductions, everything like Sherlock Holmes and the other uh, classic detectives, and so. But we wanted to give her a unique reason why she could do this. We didn't just want to make her smart. We wanted to give her a very specific and interesting reason why she could do this, and we hit on the idea of making her, you know, uh, uh, having been blind the first. 20 years of her life. And so like all blind people, she, uh, she hears, she smells, she senses, you know, things that most people don't just as blind people do to make their way in the world. And so she walks into a room and she can pick up things that most uh, detectives would never get. But also since she didn't have vision the first 20 years of her life, she doesn't take for granted the things that she sees everything has been a new experience for her just in these last few years. And so she notices with her vision things that maybe that other detectives don't notice. So she has very specific reasons for being able to pick up all these things. And so that gives us some interesting way for her to go and interesting cases that, uh, that only she can solve 
And that's actually been a lot of the fun for the character for us. Right. That's cool. I like that. And, and that's totally true. It's when you lose one sense, all the other senses are heightened. So it really gives you that different perspective. But I do like the fact that you both worked on this together and she came out really cool and very layered and developed. And, you know, somebody that when you, as soon as you read about her and you get to know her and you're in, in the story that you're completely engulfed and hooked on her as a character. I do love that. Thank you. Well, and um, so, so I'm reading the book. I, I would be done if it weren't for something called student report cards, but <laughs> yeah, she, you know, she right at the beginning, they, they wanted to do her trick. And, and so she notes all these things she notices about everybody. And then they're like, well, how did you know that? And she says, I, I do, I pay attention. And, and so obviously there's the backstory and, and, and there's a reason why she can pay attention, but I just like how she phrased that. It's like, I just, I pay attention, but she pays attention to maybe different things than what, someone else would right mm -hmm. like right. I, I would i wouldn't notice the things that she notes and that and that's why you're comparing her to sherlock holmes like she's worthy of that in that she catches details that others would miss and we go out of her way to say that you know she she doesn't have any uh better sight or or sense of hearing or sense of smell than anyone else mm -hmm. she just pays attention better than everyone else does right and we've uh, gotten letters and people have come up to us at autographings who are blind. And uh, they've said, we love your books. And uh, how did you do it? <laughs> <laughs> I, wor I worked with a student that was deaf and, and um, sight, so obviously sight wasn't a problem, but the things that she would notice that we would miss She'd be like, something's going on over there, Mrs. Green. Pay attention. I'm like, what? Right? Because she has to really <laughs> rely on visual cues. And yeah. she could, she played basketball and she we, she would dance with us. And I'm like, how can you dance if you don't know the music? But she can just find a rhythm or things like that. So it's, it, it all is very true to life how this would develop. But how do you, very cool. how do you keep a character progressing, developing, I guess, over a book and over a series? Right. How do you keep her developing as a person? Well, a lot of it is her relationships with other people. I think that that helps a lot. Mm -hmm. uh, don't you think, Mom? Yeah, I think so. Uh, her Olivia, I'm sorry. I, I had to bring her up. But, uh, <laughs> because that, uh, that was one of our, our, our first uh, challenges, wasn't it? I, I wanted to kill Olivia off. And Kendra's best friend in the, in, in the books. And, and I thought, well, it would be very exciting. And, and Roy said, you cannot kill her off. <laughs> <laughs> that and, was one of our first arguments in the Kendra series yeah, was, it was. was about Olivia. Never not to kill Olivia. And, and let me tell you, the readers would have killed me. They really would because Olivia has grown to be, you know, one of the favorite characters in, in the whole series. And uh, and she's one of my favorites too. <laughs> <laughs> it's really her, It's really who she interacts with and what she can learn with, and those things that keeps her going and right. keeps her interesting. Yeah, uh -huh. and she is because Olivia is blind, and uh, and she's also uh, our Kendra's friend, 
and just the relationship between them and the fact that uh, in a way, Olivia is a little jealous of Kendra, but but on the other hand, you know, she wants all the best for her. Right. And it's, um, mm. we, we try to make them, the characters, uh, wonderfully alive mm -hmm. and human. Mm -hmm. And that's totally true. If you have somebody that you're friends with that is on equal playing field for so long, and then all of a sudden somebody's life switches, then it's it's almost it's human nature to want what's best for that really good best friend or somebody they care for, but almost resent underlying like why couldn't that switch have been me, right? And and so it's very relatable and and maybe not in you know a loss or or a pickup of senses, but just anything in life, right? If that if somebody got a raise or somebody got fired, if somebody got married, somebody had kids, like. There's always that that relationship and that underlying feeling that you feel for somebody that you care for. And so I like that because it's it's amplified in the book, but it's still so relatable. And yeah, you know, and it's not, very often it's not an issue of why couldn't it have been me instead, but why couldn't it have been me too? Yes, as well. Exactly. Yes. Yeah. And, and Olivia brings that up a lot. <laughs> no, she doesn't, because she tries to to take a step back. And and release it, but right. uh, but it's there. It's, it's there. there. Human nature, right? Human nature. And, and don't worry. Despite I, I'm reading the book, so I know. But just there is a lot of character, and there's character development. But there's also been two count them two high speed car chases in the first fifty pages. So <laughs> it's still it is still a riveting like on your seat kind of book. Oh it, do you guys find that writing like a crime suspense novel has different like framing or different strategies for writing than say other genres? Well, mom started off writing romance novels and uh, which is quite a bit different than what she's writing now and has been writing. Not as the last. many. High <laughs> yes. Yeah. Not as many high speed car chases. Uh, in the romance uh, novels. And, and actually, uh, Roy is wonderful with those high-speed car chases. I, I love him. I say, Roy, you do it this time. You do it. You're better than me. That's <laughs> <laughs> well, my screenwriter background. That, it uh, is, right? <laughs> he, he, he sees it all, and he gives it all to you, too. That's fantastic. That's fantastic. I remember growing up and my, my dad always said that the high speed car chases and all the James Bond movies were like perfectly played out. And you're like, you know, that's a good writer when it comes to how well a high speed car chase plays out. Um, and it's just and every time we were talking about this now, I just kept going back to 007, like got to go back to James <laughs> Bond and watching those intense intense car chases and then but when you flip it to a book for some reason you're equally or more sweaty you're on your seat you're sitting up and you're like oh my gosh it's three o'clock in the morning and I really got to go to bed but I gotta play this out where if movies are just a little bit easier to pause for some reason flipping that book is just so <laughs> much harder to just put down <laughs> I like I find that writing action scenes are always they always go the the fastest just because they're just the most fun you're like and then something flies at them and then oh they have to duck and then then there's a sword or you know it's just fun 
and, and we're right there too. Yeah, right? Yeah, <laughs> so totally. I mean, if you got the car on the side of the road veering around stuff, I'm like, what is happening? <laughs> <laughs> And I don't watch those movies, but I can definitely see this. I can definitely see this. Um, so you guys are are both known for um, really being able to write dialogue. Now, a lot of authors, this is their their struggle area, if you will. So, but you two are both known for being really good at it. So, what would you say to people that maybe aren't so good at writing dialogue? Any advice? The characters are alive and if they're not alive for you you're not going to have good dialogue and if they are alive for you you just let them take over that's what i do i find when i was writing screenplays it, you know the best kind of screenplays were the ones that stories weren't necessarily told through dialogue it was told through visuals mm -hmm. uh but in books i find a lot of the most riveting books are the ones that uh dialogue comes to the forefront and the story is really told through the dialogue. And, uh, and I would say it's not necessary, um, not, not, not necessary to actually write realistic dialogue as interesting dialogue. Know. You know, it's, uh, you know, you might, you know, Aaron Sorkin, no one talks like that in real life. We all wish we did. <laughs> uh, but, uh, but, but in, in, in West Wing and his movies and everything, the, the, the intelligence and the, the snap of the dialogue between the characters is what makes those characters and those movies come alive. Uh, I just watched the, the trial, of the Chicago seven movie on Netflix, which it was good. Was Great writing, and that's probably that yeah. may win the Oscar for best original screenplay this year. Yeah. And uh, but again, it, it it really comes alive from the dialogue of those characters between each other, and uh -huh. it was really yeah. And and so it's it's something that uh, I think we're, we both are are, are sp spend a lot of time thinking about because uh -huh. it really does bring it really does bring the work to life. It very much does. It very very much does. And I think speaking about what Jenna said is a lot of authors have difficulty for a multitude of reasons or struggle or, or challenges when it comes to dialogue. For me, it's making sure that my, my, my characters don't all sound alike, but Iris, you said it perfectly. It says your characters are alive. They, they, they are their own individual. And when they are their own individual from the get go, you just kind of let them come out your fingers when you're typing and, and that's where the magic happens. Like they have to be that individual person. They can't be all the same. They can't just be all meshed into one another. And I'm, 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 I'm learning that when I'm coming to write my next series is, is learning that each person has to have their individual, not only look, but feel and tone and voice and everything. And when you do that, they, they come out of these little 10 digits magically. The only thing that happens to me is because I write YA, I'll get a note from an editor and they're like, mm, uh, would a 10 year old know this word? I'm like, maybe they're really smart and they skipped a few <laughs> They just learned it in vocabulary? Yeah. They got the disorder? No. They really learned it when they were out on the playground. Right. Yeah, well, exactly. Exactly. That and a whole bunch of other words. <laughs> Things they don't need to know. So just for people that are, you know, maybe getting interested in this series and they want to pick it up, do the books have to be read in order? 
They don't. I've heard a lot of people tell me they, they've picked it up halfway through and then gone back. And we, we actually take uh, great pains to make sure the reader knows who these people are. There aren't usually plot threads that are dangling from other books. Uh, you know, there, there are relationships that are left at a certain place, maybe in the previous book. But I don't think people feel lost if they don't. I don't. Uh, I'm reading this one, and and uh, that's that's the first. Yeah. yeah. So yeah. So I, I we 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 actually t- spend a lot of take a lot of attention to that. Uh, you know, if people ask, I'll say, well, you know, sure, start with you know, close your eyes, and 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 then you know they can start at where we began with the characters. But I, I don't think it's necessary. I've, I've heard many people tell us that they started, they picked it up in an airport and then, you know, went back and read the previous five books without feeling lost or anything. That's fantastic. Okay. That's good. Cause it gets everybody an opportunity to go and pick up this new release of yours. So as we wrap up the show, where can everybody <laughs> find blink of an eye? Uh, it's in, in bookstores and, uh, airports. If, yeah, if you want to fly, I don't think it's, that's a good idea <laughs> right now. <laughs> uh, but, uh, but it's in your, your neighborhood bookstore. If, uh, and, and if, if, if they're taking care of your safety, we are strongly in favor of, uh, supporting your neighborhood bookstore. They need our support more than ever right now. So, uh, so if you don't want to go in, I'm sure they'll be happy to take your order of the phone and send it to you. I think that they're being, yeah, uh, very industrious as far as that goes. And so, but it's available wherever books are sold, as they say. Oh, wonderful. Wonderful. And if any of our watchers and our listeners are interested in reaching out to you two or just learning more about the work that you have done, where can they find you on the socials, on the social medias, on the internet? The interwebs. <laughs> we are. Uh, we have. We have uh, Facebook. Uh, Facebook pages. You can search. Search Facebook for us. I'm uh, under Roy Johansson author page. Uh, she's under Iris Johansson, and uh, we both have uh, Twitter accounts too that you can search to and, and find us there. Wonderful. Wonderful. But a lot of the activity these days has been on Facebook. Our Facebook pages. Nice. Nice and hopping and busy, as they say, right? Actually, I don't know if they say that, but anyways. We say it. I like to say it. (laughs) (laughs) Well, beautiful. Thank you so much, guys. We've had a pleasure uh, chit-chatting with you today and cannot wait to see the success of your new release. Well, thank you so much. Yes, Miranda, Jen, this has been really, really fun. Thank you so much for having us. Beautiful. Thank you. Thanks for coming. Just a final uh, shout out to our show sponsors, Authors on the Air Global Radio Network and Creative Edge Publicity with Mickey Mickelson. And of course, all our viewers, all our listeners and all our supporters. Thank you very, very much. Bye. Bye Bye-bye. Thanks for listening to the Quillening Podcast with your hosts, Jenna Green and Miranda O. Support for this podcast is brought to you by Creative Edge Publicity. Copyright belongs to the Authors on the Air Global Radio Network. You can listen to our podcast on soundcloud.com forward slash authors on the air.